0: part 2 chapter 28 of short history of the christian church by john fletcher hurst this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter 28 abelard and his fortunes of all the leaders in the great scholastic movement there is no one to whom so great a personal interest attaches as to abelard 1079 to 1142 he gave promise at an early age of the remarkable abilities which distinguished his entire career and attracted the profound attention of all europe his first plan for life seems to have been the career of a soldier but he soon devoted himself to theological studies and here achieved such success as to astound alike his preceptors and companions he left his home where he had enjoyed the teaching of the famous Roscolin of Compiègne, and repaired to Paris. William of Champeaux was at this time at the head of an abbey of St. Victor, which he himself had founded, and stood in the front of the theological and philosophical movement which had concentrated in that city. He was the first to give to the schools of Paris a university character, and to admit the laity as well as the clergy and foreigners as well as natives, to the privileges of the highest education within the walls of a school of the church. His liberal movement in this direction was the death-knell of exclusionism in education, and the real preparation for the recognition, in all later time, of the rights of the poorest and humblest to all the wealth of science. Abelard placed himself under the charge of William, and developed with amazing rapidity but in two years' time the young student differed so essentially from his master that he broke off his connection and established the abbey of st genevieve close beside his master's renowned abbey of st victor abelard emptied the walls of st victor the multitudes gathered about him the eloquence with which he taught the mastery of language the skill in logic and the magnetism of his personality attracted a constantly increasing audience to the multitudes who came from various countries all paris was as nothing he was the one man for whose wisdom and example students from all parts of france england spain and even rome itself had come with eager search the success of his teaching and the decline of william's school through that success awakened the opposition not only of william but of his friends and sympathizers. To get away from the persecution, Abelard left Paris, went to Maloune, and began to teach with the same success which he had enjoyed in Paris. He went thence to Corbeil and taught as before. Here his health failed, and he retired for several years to his native place, Palais, near Nantes. He then returned to Paris. From this time he devoted himself entirely to the study of theology. He left Paris and went to Laon, where he had as his preceptor Anselm of Laon, the pupil of the celebrated Anselm. This man soon became unable to withstand the boldness of Abelard's ideas and the power of his eloquence, and secured his expulsion from Laon. Then Abelard returned to Paris and established a new school, which was overwhelmed in a short time by throngs of students. He was now at the head of the theological world of Europe. His students were devoted to him, and his opinions were accepted by his admirers as final. This school became the very centre of education for such of the clergy of Europe as desired a thorough scientific training. Guizot says of its success quote, In this celebrated school were trained one pope celestine the second nineteen cardinals more than fifty bishops and archbishops french english and german and a much larger number of those men with whom popes bishops and cardinals had often to contend such men as arnold of brescia and others the number of pupils which used at that time to assemble around abelard had been estimated at upwards of five thousand this man was now at the zenith of his power. He was employed by Fleuber, a canon of the Cathedral of Paris, to be the private teacher of his niece, the rarely gifted Eloise. He had an improper relation with her, and his name was stained by the crime of which not even his bitterest foe could have had a suspicion. Desire of wine and all delicious drinks, which many a famous warrior overturns, thou couldst repress nor did the dancing ruby sparkling outpoured the flavour or the smell or taste that cheers the hearts of gods or men allure thee from the cool crystalline stream but what availed this temperance not complete against another object more enticing what boots it at one gate to make defence and at another to let in the foe effeminately vanquished abelard married eloise but the affair was kept a secret at her request she was willing to suffer disgrace that his preferment might not suffer he now took the vows of a monk and entered the convent of saint denis while eloise took the veil as a nun in the convent of Argentile. he continued to teach and to write with broken spirit but with a multitude of admirers he was charged with heresy for certain remarks in his introduction to theology and at the council of soissons in 1121 he was compelled to burn his book with his own hands he afterwards returned to his monastery of saint denis but left it and built an oratory in the name of the holy trinity which he called the paraclete at his death in the year 1142 he left his oratory to be conducted by Eloise. He gave a strong blow to the supremacy of the Church Fathers by his book, C'est et Non, Yea and Nay, in which, by paralleled quotations, he shows their irreconcilable contradictions. But he gave no concessions to sceptical writers. Here lay the most difficult point in the opposition by the ecclesiastical authorities to the direct teaching of Abelard, Nothing could be proved save by inference against his orthodoxy. While he assumed the unity of the divine being, he held that there were diversities of his relations in which the divine persons consist. He also affirmed a knowledge of God to be arrived at by the reason, but he never claimed that this was either complete or accurate or independent of the full scriptural revelation. His works consist of letters to Eloise, exposition of the Lord's Prayer, exposition of the Apostolic Creed, exposition of the Athanasian Creed, book against heresies, commentary on Romans, sermons, introduction to theology, epitome of Christian doctrine, and various works of correspondence. The general effect of his teaching was to promote a critical and thorough method in the investigation of truth. End of chapter 28